into the message on healing. I have a lot, and I have a very short time to go. Father, I just want to thank you tonight. Speak to our hearts, O oh God, and pray in Jesus' name. And help us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Help us to put on the whole armor of God so that we are able to stand against the wiles of the enemy and be victorious. Because you have declared in your word, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I still want to talk about uh, the message on healing, and there's a reason why I do this. It's not just to preach a message, because of what I already said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And many times when you talk to Christians, they'll tell you we believe. Our church believes in healing. Well, that's your church. What about you? Because it doesn't work that way. Just because your church believes in it doesn't mean you really believe in it. And what do you know about healing from the scriptures? What do you know about it is written? Wow, the anointing has come. <laughs> it's anointing, right? I don't know what they said. A bright light shone. <laughs> uh, but what do you really know about healing? Some, some people have even been taught against it. If you have been taught against it, you really need to dig into it deeply because it takes a while to move from your old position to where God is. And you may say you believe it in your head, but subconsciously, because of the things you've been taught in the past, it's hard to get where God really wants you to go, to get to, so that the miracle can occur in your life. We have to get to the place where we see the word of God and see God bigger than sickness and disease. It's easy when people say, well, I have a headache. Let's pray for the headache. But our attitude changes when we hear the word cancer. Right? We say, God, this is a big one. I'm telling you, God is really big. <laughs> I see if there's a big difference with God. When God says, well, I really need to think about this is cancer. The other one is headache. I can handle headache, but this cancer business. We're talking about God. They are one and the same to him. So the problem is our attitude towards him and towards the word of God. And the reason why that is, is because we don't really know the word or the word is not yet in our spirit to produce faith. We look at the problem, and the problem becomes bigger than God. Because we're so focused on it. Anything you keep close to your eyes is going to cover everything in front of it, if it's too close to you. And so when we bring the sickness and the disease so close to us, God becomes smaller. And we're thinking, how is he going to do this? But let me let you know this. Everything you see came from the spirit realm. Everything you see originated from what you couldn't see. The world that we cannot see is more real than this natural world. That's why when you see people who see demons and things, evil spirits and all of that, and they know what's happening to them, they think the rest of us are just idiots because they can see things that we can't see. 
I've dealt with them, I can tell you, they think you're just ignorant. And because we don't see the other world, we don't realize that that world is very real. It's real to these individuals when you talk to them. It's really real. They can describe things that will shock you. They can describe eyes, nose, everything. Just like you see in the natural. Hair, everything. But it's spiritual. So sickness is really spiritual. That's why Jesus died. Jesus didn't take any sickness on himself. He didn't have cancer on the cross. The Bible says he bore our sicknesses, right? We, he, there were no tumors on his body. How did he bear them? Spiritually. Why? Because the root of sickness is spiritual. There was no sickness in the world until Adam sinned. And so that's the search. And if you want to destroy it, go to the root of it. And the root of it is in the scriptures. By his stripes, we were healed. And so we need to go to that. In, in Psalm 103, verse 125, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God has benefits for his children. And God's the one saying, I don't want you to forget the benefits that my son purchased for you. I mean, how can your employer be paying thousands of dollars to take care of your health issues and problems, take care of your insurance, and then you fall sick and you're saying that I'm wondering, what am I going to do? You can see a doctor, right? He already paid for it. Jesus paid for these benefits. And God says, I don't want you to forget them. And we so easily forget them. And we're running to and fro, looking for help in all the places where we can really find lasting help. I mean, lasting help. So we need to go back to God. It says, don't forget all his benefits. One of his benefits, the very first one that we need, who forgives all your iniquities, including the one that you committed before you came to church. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, he forgives. This is scriptures now. This is not me speaking. He, this is a benefit. He forgives all your iniquities. Don't analyze it. Accept it. Just accept it. He forgives all your iniquities. When you accept that, you honor God. You fight the word, you dishonor him. Because he's already spoken. And his words don't return to him void. Amen. So we receive the word. He forgives all, not some, all your iniquities. He forgives them. You know, this is so important. When the word, when you talk about sin and iniquity, there's a little difference here. Iniquity goes into a man's spirit. So when God forgives you your iniquity, the desire to go back is not there. He kills it from the root. That's what it is. He forgives all your iniquities. He also heals some of your diseases. Well, it says all of your diseases, all of them, all of them, don't matter when you get it, how long it's been in your body, that's when we try to analyze these things based on what we know. But the Bible is clear. 
The Bible is very clear. God heals. Jesus took that from us. Who heals all your diseases? I think, you know, in those days I used to wonder why does God heal people so much in crusades with all of these unbelievers and pagans. And they come in there and he heals them. And then the one who is saved and is in church, he got all the cancer and they're dying. I wonder why God. So do I have to become an unbeliever to get healed? Because it's easier that way. The problem with the believer, we analyze too much. The unbeliever knows nothing. You tell him God will heal you. He says, really? I've never heard that before, really. He's God. I know he can. He says, yes, I'm ready. Let him heal me now. The, um, the believer is wondering, did I see him yesterday? He's God. Did I pay my tithe yesterday? And analyze all of that kind of stuff. And they hinder God. But you see, God will not overlook faith. And the unbeliever has nothing to go with. He's just hearing the preacher and they receive the word and faith rises in their heart. As soon as they see somebody else healed, they say, me too. I want that. And guess what? God loves everyone. He gives to them. That's what's hindering us because we analyze too much and we're leaning to our own understanding. It says he heals all our diseases. Not only that, he redeems your life from destruction. In other words, he redeems your life from death. Read. I said that when it says destruction is death or untimely death. And, and, and that's what I'm saying in, in our church. And I pray by the grace of God for me and all one of us who begin to understand this. You read this scripture. You think on it and meditate on it. If God's going to redeem my life from destruction. Am I reading it? I think in my mind. Destruction in my mind is getting in a plane and a crash and then we all die. Right? Destruction in my heart is I'm driving and some drunk driver comes and takes me out like that. When I get my kids at home, now they don't have a daddy. Is that, is that love? No. But that happens. Why? Because we are not believing his word. My people perish for lack of knowledge. He redeems my life from destruction. So I can conclude based on God's word. I stand on his word on, uh, alone, not on my understanding, not how I'm going to protect myself. I'm just trusting that his word is good. And I decide, well, nope, I'm not going to die in any kind of plane crash. You hear me say it again. It's not going to happen. Can I protect myself from that? Absolutely not. But can he? Oh, yes. He got so many angels. And I told you here before, you don't have one guardian angel. Jesus didn't say that. He said, they are angels. Plural. They look, they're staring at the Father's face up there. We have more than we believe we have. We are more than what we have become. And we need to change that through God's word. Amen? And refuse to fear. And not look at the things that you can see with your eyes. Because the Bible says, we walk by faith. And not by what you see. We're always walking by what we see. And we make all these calculations and all of that. They, those things cannot work for us if your wife has been barren for 90 years. How are you going to analyze that and come out of that? They didn't have to. God gave them Isaac. Amen? That's the way it's going to work. But to redeem their lives from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness? That's divine 
let me put it this way. When he crowns you, people who put crowns on their head, they are royal people, right? I call this royal love. Amen? <laughs> it's divine love. But it's royal love. From the Father, he puts a crown, and the crown on your head is called loving kindness. And what? Not just mercies, but they're tender. Amen. We read too fast and we just go by without thinking and stopping. That means you are so special to God. And I'm not the one saying it. Look, it's right there in the book. Read it for yourself. It's right there in the book. And God will not say something that he doesn't mean. It's right there. He crowns you that everywhere you go, there is loving kindness that's your portion. Tender mercies belong to you everywhere you go. That means when things are happening the way God doesn't want uh, in heaven, there is tender mercies towards you. And the Bible says his mercies are what? New every morning. So once you open your eyes, you got new mercies for that day. We have to believe God's word. And we're not fooling ourselves because his word will not return to him void. And we have to trust that and feel good about life. You know why I believe this? Because Jesus declared to us, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You already have life, but he wants you to have abundant life. And that's the truth. Amen? That's what God wants. I said that Jesus bore certain things for us so we don't have to bear them. But most of the time, the things that we experience in life seem to contradict what God says. And I'm uh, uh, challenging you tonight. Stay with God in spite of what you are experiencing right now. Because God can change that. What you've been struggling to achieve in 50 years, God can give you in one day. Just one day. God can change your circumstance by just one event. So don't think it's over because it's not over yet. No matter what your situation is, God can change it with just one event. God can bring just one person into your life and everything is changed and you never look back. That's the way God is. So it's never too late with God. Don't give up. God himself told us, don't you ever give up. Stay with faith. Because he's going to take care of you. Through his loving kindness. He says he satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed. You can stay young. Amen. And I'm planning to believe that scripture with all of my heart. I need it. <laughs> I need that scripture really hard. <laughs> Amen. But we need to understand something. Even if you don't experience it, believe it. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said, we're ready to die. We believe our God will deliver us. They were very clear. Our God will deliver us from your hand. The king said, I want to see that God that will deliver you from my hand. They said, now, we're not going to discuss that with you. Our God is able to, to deliver us from your hand, but if he chooses not to, we're ready to die. 
our attitude has to be in that same level for God to say, well, I found a friend. I found a friend. You are willing to forget about what the world thinks. Now, if you say something like that, people will say, what's the matter with you? You're just going to lose your life. All you have to do is bow a little and you're free. Right? That's what they want to tell you. You're being silly. Just do what they say so you can keep your life. Well, if you keep your life, you lose it. That's what Jesus said. If you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you'll gain it. In other words, you put your faith in God's word and God's word alone, regardless of what you're hearing around you, regardless of what you see before your eyes. Trust in God with all your heart. The Bible says, don't lean on your understanding. God says he will direct your path and bring that thing to pass. That's what the word says. But let me share this. Jesus died on the cross. I used to think in my early days, Jesus died for our sins. That was all I knew. That was all I was taught. He died for our sins. Well, I found out he died for my sickness as well. The Bible says he bore our sicknesses, our infirmities, and carried our diseases. He carried our sickness. That's dying on the cross. When? When he died on the cross. He wasn't just dying for our sins alone. He died, he bore our sicknesses as well. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 tells us that. That Jesus bore our sicknesses on the cross in the same way he bore our sins. Um, there's something that I'm coming to. Some of the crazy stuff you hear, you know, among Christians. Like, you know, uh, God, God may be trying to teach you a lesson because you have been, you have been running too fast, going to and fro. He wants you to slow down. So now he's giving you this cancer to teach you a lesson. And my question is, if God's giving you cancer to teach you a lesson to slow you down, why let him give you a lot of lying, just tell a lot of lies, <laughs> or do something bad, kill a lot of people, uh, because that's sin, right? If God's going to teach you a lesson through sickness, Jesus bore your sickness as well as he bore your sins. If God can teach you a lesson through sickness, why won't he teach you a lesson through your sinning? So keep sinning, brother, because God's trying to teach you a lesson. Keep this bad stuff up. God's going to get you finally. When, when it's true, after you've sinned long enough, uh, he teaches you the lesson. Why don't we do that? We stay on one side, we refuse to believe the other side, right? The scripture tells us this. Jesus also bore our poverty. Amen. That's the truth. It's there in the scripture. You know, I hear people tell me, well, I don't believe that prosperity stuff. That didn't come from me. If you have trouble, go talk to him. The word success came from his mouth. I didn't say it. God says, I want you to have good success. Right? That's what he says. This book of the law, Joshua 1 verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night so you are able to do what the book says. And in so doing, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. God said that. I don't know any father on earth that doesn't want success for their child. So show me a, a father that's going to want a child 
that grows up and he's broke all his life. You show me one. No father wants that. But Jesus said, if you, being evil, right, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father. If you won't do that or wish that for your children, why are you putting that on God? You think you're better than God? God's word is very clear. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear the word grace? grace? Do you know the grace? Have you experienced the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? This is scripture. That's not me. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake. Whose sake? For my sake. For your sake. For your sake he became poor. How? He took poverty on himself. He was rich. He took poverty on himself. He says that you, point to yourself, says me. You, through his poverty, might become rich. That's scripture. That's scripture. When you go against God's word, that's because you don't have understanding. And if you read everything in context, it's talking about money. Read it. I used to fight those things. But you should allow God's word, let God be true, and every man a liar. Don't go with your understanding because you stand in his way. He's not giving you the money and all of that for just for your family, but for his work. Don't be selfish. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about you. Jesus won't die on the cross just to make you a millionaire. That's not his purpose. He died on the cross so you can have to support the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. He said to help the poor, right? If you are poor, how can you help the poor? Isn't be strange telling a man he's on in the street? He says um, uh, he has no home; he can't even buy his lunch. You go to him and say, "Sir, Jesus said to you to help the poor." He's gonna look. Are you lost? You crazy? I'm poor. I need help. But Jesus said to take care of the poor, right? Who you and I believers? So he wants us to have. So we can give to those who are in need. It's not about you. When people fight this, because all they're thinking about themselves and big houses and big cars, it's not about you. It's about the gospel. He doesn't mind you having a big car. He wants you to have so that people see how good he is to those who love him and support what he's doing in the earth. But the main thing is for you to reach out to the world. It's not about us. Amen. So no, notice this. This, is, this has to do with the atonement. These three things are so important. God doesn't like poverty. Poverty is a curse. When you sin against God, how does he punish you? With poverty. That's not a good thing. <laughs> it's not a very good thing. It's not good. You have to support your children you don't have. How can that be love? Your child is having a real serious problem, but you can't do anything. I don't see that to work. I got to fight against all of those things. I was taught in the past. 
as you study the scripture. You got to change your mind based on what the word says. The Bible tells us that very clearly. Romans chapter 12. Renew your mind through the scripture. Myself, for me, as a new Christian, they beat that poverty sin into, into my head. They taught us, uh, blessed are the poor. Well, he didn't say blessed are the poor. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's when you realize that you need God. That's what he was talking about. And those preachers will twist all of those things. Satan is really robbing us, you know, because we don't want to accept God's word. But we have to believe God's word. But just believing that is not good enough. You got to live for God. You got to do what is right. So that God can begin to bless you, bless you and bless your family. But let me go to some of the things that hinder us from being healed when we are sick. Um, before I go into that, the, the greatest one, which I didn't want to go talk about tonight much from my notes, the greatest thing is fear. Is fear. Uh, 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 doctors, have, uh, they are very good at get, getting you to be afraid. <laughs> my wife is one of them, not kidding. <laughs> I mean, she's a doctor, but a nurse practitioner. But they tell you the truth. Can I go home with uh, Pastor Arden? That's not good. What, how did I get to that place? <laughs> but anyway, seriously, though. <laughs> I'm in real trouble. <laughs> My wife's not laughing. That means that's bad. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> oh. But you know how doctors do? They'll tell you, like, oh, this is very serious. Have you heard that before? Uh, and they tell your family, you know, I think you guys should start preparing for funeral because this is really... And what, do, what happens to you? That fear comes in. And once that fear comes in, there is no hope. You go, and I've been out there where they called me to come and pray. And while I'm praying for the person, uh, they called me and I sit down. I say, where is the fellow? They say, they, they, they're sitting down there discussing the funeral ceremony. And I said, I thought they said to come and pray for healing. Now they are talking about funeral and, and the casket. So I go in there and say, take him home real fast. No, <laughs> no I'm joking. <laughs> Give him peace as he departs. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> but you get so discouraged. They called me to pray for healing. And in my presence, they are discussing funerals. I wasted my time. If two agree concerning anything, God will do it. And God can raise the dead. You know, I tell myself, and you should tell yourself this well, Lazarus, that's the one that gets me. Four days, I mean, for four days, think about what would have, must have happened to all his muscles, the nerves, and everything. The sister said, by now, he stinks. 
you can't bring somebody. This is what Jesus did, and it's recorded for us here. That there's nothing that's impossible with God. In, in the West, we give up real quickly. And even when we agree, family members, that they disagree. They're fighting each other. That's crazy. We don't want you doing that. The person is dead. Let them go. But in third world countries, they will bring their dead to pastor. Please don't do that to me. They come to church with their babies already dead, wrapped, and they are rocking the baby, waiting for pastor to have a chance. I'll take that down and five and kill it. But they wait for pastor to have a, a little room, and they bring the dead baby and deliver the baby to pastor and say, the baby is dead now. We need the, I'm not going to give up. We, we got to raise this baby. And guess what God does? He's raising them up. I read testimonies constantly. Of God changing people's DNA. They just heal. And you go back and check the, the sickle cell thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a gene, it's a genetic problem. You can never be cured from it. It's in your genes. The genosis and the doctors know. But God's reversing that. Where they go back and check that genetic code and it's, it's been changed. They were born that way. Now God changed it. And it's the same God that we are serving. There is nothing that's impossible with God. But this is what people say, number one, the, the, that the afflictions of the righteous, that's number one. I heard of this a lot of times. Uh, that is re they're reading from Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. So the word affliction, we've come to re uh, accept that affliction means sickness. So they're saying, many are the sicknesses of the righteous. And that's what people are used to hear in those days of all about affliction. Affliction, the person is sick, God says we'll have many afflictions. But they forget the second part. He says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. If you take affliction to be sickness... Well, God says he'll heal all of them. Even if the, the believer is afflicted with sickness, God will remove the sickness as well. The word affliction there is actually, it means suffering. And in those days, I don't know about today, but I heard those words so much, I got tired of hearing them. Well, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, by which they mean sickness. But that's not what God is saying. We will always have trouble. And but God can deliver us from those troubles. In James chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, it says, Is any among you suffering? And if you go back to the traditional King James, the old King James, the word there is, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. In other words, if you are going through difficult times, God says the answer to your problem is prayer. Can I hear an amen? If you are suffering in any way, in any form, not sickness, if you are suffering in any form, if you are hurting in any form, the answer to that is prayer. But then he went on to say, is any cheerful? Let him sing songs. If you can't sing, some of us sing, others make joyful noise. But if you can't sing very well, put, put on a tape, you know, put slip of uh, CD there. 
and then sing with it. But if you have a merry heart, God says, I need you to sing. It will do you good as medicine. Rejoice. But then it says, in the word of God here, is any one among you sick? This is serious. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. When he says, is any among you sick? Now go back to the Old Testament. They did not tolerate sickness in their midst. If anyone is sick, they knew what to do. Notice he didn't say, is any sick among you? Please go find the best doctor in town. Is that what he says? Prayer is the next thing to do. I'm not saying not to go to doctors. I go to doctors and I have one in my home. <laughs> I'm trying to redeem myself. <laughs> you listen to your doctor. But the first place to go is to God. Talk to God so you lose the fear. It's so important. I was reading a story about Kenneth Hagen and some of the ladies in his church, uh, a couple actually, uh, and this guy was sick and was dying. And they were in the hospital, and the doctor was telling them uh, about the fact that this man was not going to live and all of that. The ladies, there were two ladies, the, the guy was dying, the wife and another lady, they were all, you know, that you know watching what was going and the doctor was telling her everything telling them everything that was happening and they had no emotions they just listened and when the doctor was i'm sure was baffled that these ladies they didn't really care when he left the room they smiled at each other and said he doesn't know what we know <laughs> he doesn't know what we know we know what's going to happen he's not going to die and god came through for them god came through for them we know that is any sick among you, take care of it. Call the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with oil. You don't have to die because Jesus paid the price for your sin. I mean for your sickness. Second, they talk about correction from the Lord. I already alluded to that. God must have allowed this into your life uh, so that it can slow you down. And he's been wanting to speak to you for a long time. And you were not listening. So now he's afflicted you with this sickness. And now, and then they come out and tell you the testimony. You know, before this thing happened to me, I used to do this and that. And then when it happened to me, God taught me a lesson through it. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about here? Yes, God taught you because you were more willing to listen to him because you were suffering. That was what it was. Before you were not listening, but now you couldn't go anywhere. You needed help. Now you listen to him. That's just the way we act. How many people who they, they hardly have time to pray? I know people they don't have time to pray. But let trouble come. They are on their knees crying. It's true. They are on their knees crying. You don't have to tell them about being a prayer warrior when trouble comes. They're praying. And that's what happens when people get sick. It's not because God wanted to talk to them. They seek God in the times of trouble. And he answers. And while they are seeking him, God uses the opportunity to start speaking into their lives. 
to prevent them from going the way that brought them trouble. But they think it was the sickness. No, it's not the sickness. God cannot put something on you that his son died for. Think about it. That's why I was saying to you, you can't say God allowed me to continue to lie because he's trying to teach me a lesson. You can't say that. Neither would God cause you to be sick when he puts sickness on his, your sickness on his son so that you don't have to be sick. God cannot take an evil thing and use it to teach his, his son a lesson. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But that's what you hear among, among Christians. And they read scriptures like this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Says, God's loving me with all this sickness. And scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, they are telling you, brother, she come, don't worry about it. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And they take that to be sickness that God is doing that to you. I tell you what. You know the time we used to be really scared of HIV? Say your son is, is really stubborn son and you want to teach him a lesson. And tell your friend that you got some HIV virus and you injected it into that boy to teach him a lesson, slow him down. You, I will not only call CPS, but they will put you in jail. Right? For injecting a virus into your son. And yet, Christians accuse God of giving them cancer to teach them a lesson. What an insult. Something that will put a man in jail, you attribute it to God. The reason is religion. Because of lack of understanding. Why would God do, if God's going to teach you a lesson, this almighty God has no other way to teach you a lesson but to make you so weak and take the, man, the little money you have to take care of your family and give to doctors and everybody else. And that's love. And he's trying to teach you a lesson. That's silly. That's because we're not thinking. We're not meditating on the word of God. Why would God do that to us? That's not love. When somebody is sick, think about what happens in the home. Everybody's held captive. You can't do anything. If he's gravely sick, you can hardly go out just to have fun. You can't take any vacation. You got to stay around the sick person. And if you take, it, take a vacation while this person is deadly sick, everybody's in the What kind of guy does a thing like this? So you are in captivity. The whole family is in captivity. Fear also, constant. You can't sleep at night, right? Because the person is hurting. So you got night vigils, people sitting down watching this person that's sick. Meanwhile, the pain's running through the person's body and they're screaming, and you think that's from God? That's love? That's silly. But that's the way the enemy wants us to believe so that he can have his way in us. What we have to do is to reject the word and believe what the scripture says by his stripes 
I was healed and refused to accept it. I said the last time, I'm going to close with this. God loves fighters. Yes. God loves fighters. You can read in, uh, I believe, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24, I believe. God was saying, I've given you this land. God says, I give you the land. This land belongs to you. But there are giants in the land. There are giants. God never gives you anything uh, without a giant in there to stop you from getting it. God said to them, try now, arise. I have given you the land. Now rise up and fight for it. But I have given it to you. I thought if you gave it to me, I didn't have to walk anymore. I didn't have to do anything. But that's not God's way. You got to fight. It's called the good fight of faith. The faith of the word of God. Satan is trying to put something on you that doesn't belong to you. You got to reject it and fight him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We got to resist him. I got to quit. Stand up with me. (laughs) We got to resist him. Amen. We got to resist him. 